Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with DC-based intuitive leadership coach and speaker, Kristen Crockett. She empowers people to uncover what doesn't always come easy, knowing their strengths, living in their zone of genius, and learning how to lead from their gut in all aspects of their life. Through team building, leadership development programs, and personal coaching, Kristen helps people and teams become better prepared to lead, navigate change and loss, and become more aware of themselves and others. She works with people to affirm and embrace who they are, empower others, and provide tools and assessments to shift their mindset, emotional intelligence, and confidence. She is also the host of the Plastic Couch Podcast and the CEO of the Crockett Collective. Enjoy this interview. Perfect. How you doing? I'm good. How are you today? Nice to meet you. Yeah, great to meet you. Where are you located? In D.C. Okay, cool. All right. What's it like to live in D.C.? Well, I was born and raised here, so... yeah, so I mean, I love it. I absolutely love it. Right on. I I've been there a few times. I the subway system's easy. Everything yes. just makes sense. It's it's I I I always love going to DC. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because like now like as a kid, you know, I couldn't wait to get out of DC. But then when you when you travel to other places or you know live in other places, you start to really realize how unique of a city it is. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, there was, I, I took, I used to work at a YMCA. Um, I had a couple labs in the inner city and there was one of the kids that we got a grant from AT&T to go to DC and it was a leadership convention. And we went up there and one night I was over in the Georgetown area at a bar and I had longer hair and I kind of looked like the lead singer of that band Creed, Scott yes. Strap. I think, okay. So they kept, these guys kept telling me just, tell these because people thought i was him and they were like just tell him that you're him and i'm like no i'm not going to do it not only is that horrible karma it would have created a total just i don't even know what would have happened it would have been bad but i remember being in that bar in dc and i was like i'm not i'm not doing it i'm just not going to be that guy so but it was fun it was i i remember there was a lot of people a lot of life it was a good district yes definitely definitely yep a lot of fun it's a very unique city yeah, for sure. So before we get into your life and your work, what I would like to do is ask you about COVID. How did you survive the last three years and how has it changed you? Oof. That's interesting. So for me, it honestly changed everything about me. Uh, I was, it's, it's, COVID is responsible for me, like going out and creating my own business. Um, I was really doing a lot of things for everyone else except for me. So I was, I was definitely like burnt out. And, you know, when I talk a lot about like being lit up and finding out the things that really light you up, there wasn't a lot of that going on. And it was really just this urge to quit my job and, um, to go out on my own. I was really responsible for, you know, I was working at an organization where webinars weren't, weren't really a thing. Um, it was kind of like everything was in person and we went from that to, you know, all online. And so being the person who was responsible for creating the workshops for people to teach them about new technology and working with IT and all of that, I was running myself ragged. And so I think COVID also, I started doing workshops about loss and grief and um, saw people connecting with with 
strangers from across the country for the first time. And just the beauty and the depth of those workshops just kind of, you know, I don't know, they're still with me. So COVID changed a lot of things for me, but also I feel like we got a little bit closer to who we are and what's important to us as a society. I agree. I think there was things that were at a tipping point and then you put a pandemic in there and it just brings everything to the surface. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of, lots of things too about mental health it used to be this thing where there was that prevailing mentality where people were like, we'll just get over it. But now it's more of a thing where I think there's more of a empathy and an understanding than there ever has been before. Yes. I totally agree with that. I do. Because I think that, you know, for me, being involved with leadership, there was always this thing where people wanted to disconnect. Like they wanted to say, oh, look, that's work. And then this is personal life. And COVID showed us that there's no disconnection. You know, when yeah. we have someone who's in the hospital who's dying or who has an illness, like, and we get the call at work, you know, it it impacts us. You know, it yeah. stays with us. So yeah. certainly does. So let's get to the essence of what you do on a daily basis. I'm going to put you in front of a bunch of third graders at a career day. Okay. (laughs) One of the kids looks up and says, Hey, what do you do for a living? How do you answer them? Yeah. I help people and teams expand and lead. That is the, the bare minimum of what I, well, that's the basics, the foundation of what I do. And so it's really helping people become more aware of who they are, more aware of their strengths, what they do really, really well. Um, you know, understanding that confidence comes from embracing our strengths. And then, you know, helping people lead in a way that's authentic to them, that it's not like everybody else, that it is really looking at um, what works best for them in terms of their energy and and their superpowers and how they feel. So I think I'm also a little different because I incorporate assessments like emotional intelligence. I'm helping people navigate emotions. Like emotions are the the basis of what I do. Um, but it's also human design, which is, you know, kind of pulling in parts that are a little bit astrology, a little bit, um, you know, chakra system, like all of that together in a way that really helps people understand themselves. Because I feel like if you don't understand who you are, you cannot connect with other people. You can't, you know, your interpersonal relationships are going to suffer if you don't know who you are. So that's really, it's the basis of what I do is really around self-awareness, understanding who we are, and then navigating emotions. So let's go back to when you were in the third grade. What did you want to be when you grew up? Ooh, so in the third grade, I wanted to be an attorney, which I am technically, you know, sure. Um but I, I think I went from wanting to be a pediatrician to an attorney. And okay. I remember my doctor said to me, I will never forget it. I said, he's like, what do you want to be? And I was like, I want to be a lawyer. And he said, lawyers come a dime a dozen. And I was like, hmm. yeah. and then I realized that they do. <laughs> so. Right, right. right. <laughs> but yeah, with everything, it, yeah, there's there's all kinds of different aims and different genres that they go into so let me ask you this talk to me a little bit about the seeds that became who you are i know you're from dc but talk to me a little bit about growing up and how how these things that are i mean you're not just going into a job you're helping people you're leading people you're getting them to a better place you're giving of yourself how did those seeds happen for you 
Yeah. So I can tell you when I look back on it, there's one specific moment. Um, so in second grade, we were learning about May Day and all of the different rituals and the maypole and, you know, all of this, all these different things. And I remember one of the things was that, you know, people would take flowers, they would put it in a basket, they would ring the doorbell or, you know, knock on someone's door and leave it on the porch and run away. And so I was like, oh, I can't wait to do that for my mom. And she was a teacher, a first grade teacher. And I, um, you know, we had these huge azalea bushes outside of our, our front door. So I went and gathered all the flowers. I kind of strung them together with the needle and thread, made this like lay and created a basket out of like, you know, cardboard and staples and things and was so excited and left it on the porch and then ran around the corner um, when, you know, when she got home and she came out and she said, oh my God, you used all of my azaleas. And that was that. And so that moment taught me two things. It taught me that like what it's like to not be celebrated for the the strengths that you have, like the creativity that I had inside of me. But it also taught me that a lot of times people cannot, they struggle with accepting wonderful and amazing things that happen to them. So it's like, you know, I, I work with a lot of leaders who are not, they don't know how to celebrate themselves. They just think about what's next and what do I have to accomplish next? And I think that that moment uh, was something that, allowed me to understand what that felt like as a kid, but also how does someone grow into a mom or a dad or a person, a friend where they're unable to celebrate themselves and others? Yeah. So who's been a hero for you? You know, you obviously have to have fuel for your desires. Who was that for you? Oh, my hero definitely was, his name was Mr. Spruill. So he was, you know, my parents, their best friend, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Spruill. They were kind of like my, uh, the marriage that I just was like, oh, this is such a great marriage, you know? And in addition to that, he used to talk to us. I didn't have parents that talked, you know? It was a lot of like, you know, telling us what to do or, you know, but he actually spent time talking to us about anything. And so even into my twenties, I would call him and we would talk for like an hour, you know? So I think him spending time talking to me and he was actually the first person to share a leadership lesson with me. And he talked about working at NIH. He talked about a woman who was coming in late every single, uh, every single day and everyone wanted to fire her. And so he sat and talked with her and was like, well, tell me what's going on. Tell me what, what, what the issue is. And she was like, oh, you know, I, it's just getting my children ready in the morning. And I'm, and you know, it's just not enough time for me to do all of that and get to work. So he said, okay, well, let's push your start time back 30 minutes. And she was never late again. I never right. forgot that leadership lesson. So he was also, uh, someone who talked to me about, you know, spirituality and, you know, thinking differently. So that he was, he was one of my heroes. Yeah. That's so good. There's people like that in the world because for all those kinds of people, there's the opposite. And man, we need more good ones. Um, yes. if you can meet anybody alive on the planet right now and spend some time with them, who would it be? Ooh, let's see. Gosh, my brain goes, you know, I, it's hard for me to choose one person. Um, you can choose a few. 
Yeah, I would definitely say Richard Branson is one of them. Um, I think that, you know, in reading his book and, and, and just kind of like his leadership style, um, following his energy, like I definitely would love to spend some time talking to him about lessons that he learned that worked and didn't work and how he leads and how he actually creates companies. I would, I would love to talk to him about that. Yeah. So for someone like Richard Branson, they obviously have a lot of fire, a lot of motivation. What is that for you? What is, what gets you out of bed? What gets you moving? What gets you wanting to accomplish what you want to get done with your life? Mm. For me, it's paying attention to like the, the spark because I've learned that if I don't want to do something like my dad said this to, to, to my husband, he was like, listen, if Kristen doesn't want to do something, she's just not going to do it. And I think for me, what gets me out is wonder. It's curiosity. It's learning new things. It's learning about people. Um, it is, you know, how do, like, I truly believe that regardless of, you know, I believe that when I walk into a room, I can relate to anybody in it. That's just what I believe. And I feel that we have so much more in common as people than, you know, like difference. And so I am about finding the commonality. I am about like understanding what makes people tick, what's important to them. Um, and so I think that curiosity is really the, the, the best word to describe how I feel and what, what lights me up. So. What is one of the best success stories you've been involved with as a professional? Mm. Something that always puts a smile on your face. Huh. Let's see. For me. Hmm. Let me think for a second. Um, okay. So this one is, I was actually at the time I was helping people with their relationships with their dads. And so, because I realized that, that like, you know, no one really explores that. And I did an interview with a person about his dad and what happened was, you know, he, he wasn't very happy with his dad. <laughs> Let's just say it like that. It was a very complicated relationship. And about a week or two later, I got a voicemail on my phone that said, Kristen, you have no idea what you have just done. Like my dad is on his way out here and we are having a conversation. Um, he's flying out here. And so that interview changed the trajectory for his life with his dad. Wow. And so that to me is something that really makes me smile because relationships influence everybody around yeah. us. That's huge. Absolutely. So speaking of, you know, things happen in life, we have this long timeline. If you were to have a dream tonight, you ran into the 20 year old version of yourself and you could dispense advice on that young version of you. Okay. Based on the wisdom you've gained, what would you tell that young version? And would that young version listen to you? Would that young version listen? Probably not. Um, so I would definitely say for me, I've learned that energy is everything. Like paying attention to 
the people that we meet that that make us feel lighter, that make us feel brighter. Um, paying attention to the hobbies, what's like in school, what what makes you feel lighter? Um, I think that I would say that and, and don't look at what everybody else does. And if you do, try it on. And if it doesn't work for you, let it go and move on to something different because in life, you have to find out what works for you. It doesn't, it doesn't, it's not a good fit if it doesn't feel good for you, if it doesn't feel light and makes you, make you feel bright. And I think that that's probably the best lesson, um, that I would give myself. So living in DC, you know, as a civilian that hasn't lived there, the thing that we automatically as Americans think about is just this explosion of, of, of history and things that have happened in, in this country. If you, we get off the phone, time machine pulls up in front of your house. You could go anywhere in time and see event, an event of human history, American or otherwise, with your own eyes. Where are you going? What do you want to see? So in DC? Well, it could, it could be anywhere. I'm just saying DC is mm-hmm. as a, as a reference point because, you know, that's kind of the place where all of these, the birthplace of so many things have happened. Yeah. I think. For me, it would be, there were so many women that were involved in the civil rights movement that we don't necessarily think about. We normally think about the men. And I think it would be to be in a house, you know, where they would meet um, and really look at and talk with how women use their leadership skills to advance the movement, um, to create, you know, to, to push it, push initiatives forward, um, in a grassroots type of way. I think that to me is super fascinating and it goes to, you know, leadership, right? It's, that's at the root of everything that is me, um, that I do. So I think that would be, what I would be most interested in, in learning more about. I think that's one of the beauties of podcasting is that there is, there is a show I was listening to called radio diaries. And there was lots of that, lots of women that n- didn't necessarily get known by the masses, but did instrumental things that created movements that people didn't realize. Like I was listening to one the other day about um, Zora Neale Thurston and, and just, her whole history and what she did and how she researched her books and all of these things. I had yeah. no idea. There was all kinds of things. Like I was even thinking, cause I do a lot of jazz radio and Mary Lou Williams was unreal, like what she was doing. And she stepped away because she was so tired of the way she got treated, but the way that she approached her instrument and the historical genius that she had on the genre was unreal, un- unmatched by gender or anything. And it's crazy how we've history has tended to kind of just not give them their proper due. It's wild, you know? Yeah. And I actually did. I watched the the le- latest special on Zora Neale Hurston. And I think for me, what was fascinating is just the way that she approached community and history and learning from being a part of it yeah. versus observing it. Um, I think that that is, it's essential. And I think that, you know, I had a moment where I was facilitating, I was invited to facilitate and I got in trouble because I actually talked about myself 
and gave a personal example. I was doing storytelling and they were like, we don't do that. We, as a facilitator, we don't talk about who we are. We don't. And I was like, you know, ultimately what I realized is that is my beauty. When I'm in front of the room, when I am talking with people and I'm connecting with people, you have to share a little bit of who you are in order to allow people to open up and connect. Right. Of course. That's a relationship. That's communication. Well, it's, and it builds trust too. It's like, I don't have to interject anything about me, but it brings it. I mean, there, there's, there's a tie to DC and other things that make sense. It's, it's part of your, your history. I remember early on when I was doing interviews, I interviewed someone because I'm in Kansas city that was from Kansas, but lived in San Francisco. And we got to the end of the interview and she was like, I want to do this interview again. I really think you have more and I really think you need to open up more when you're interviewing people. I don't, you don't need to be all objective and stand to the side. You need to get in there and you need to get, put yourself in there. It's one of the most important things. I remember when she said it, I was kind of like, wow, that was pretty heavy. But when I thought about it, it's true. And that's, that's how we grow. Those are moments in our lives. But I definitely think that if you're going to be moderating and facilitating something for them to know who you are, they're building a relationship with you and the story. Yeah, absolutely. And what was interesting is, you know, that same organization, we were called in um, in D.C. to work with some students. And the way they were used to doing sessions was, you know, very standoffish. This is, who you know, you, you get to know my name and where I'm from and that's it. And ultimately, in the middle of it, we had to we had to end a session and go back and restructure everything because. The students were like, we don't know you. We don't trust you. Who are you? And so I was like, this is how students learn. Like, you have to connect. You've got to share in order for them to feel that they can trust whatever it is that you have to bring to the table. Of course. Of course. So of all the things that you've accomplished in your life, what are you the proudest of? Hmm. My proud moments definitely are when people come to me to talk about the ways that they have changed, the way that the world has opened up for them. Um, You know, sometimes we don't always get this immediate satisfaction. Sometimes it is weeks or months or even years later. Um, But I think that that is what I am most, like, I am the most proud of the work that I have done with individuals um, with people just as humans, not even necessarily as, you know, leaders in an organization, but like as humans to really get to know who they are and to connect more with other people. I feel like that is the most essential part of, of humanity is to feel that you, be- that you belong and that you feel connected to other people. So I'm most proud of connecting others. So everyone out there, speaking of connections, has a, an idea of who they think you are, family, friends, clients, colleagues, but you run the show. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? Mm. I think I am a bold person. I am courageous. Even when I have a little fear, I still am going to do it. Um, I think that I am... You know, someone who pulls out the best in others and allows them to feel like they have a hand or a partner or a guide to do the things that they want to do, even if it's scary. So I feel like 
I am that person, you know, you know, at a party back in the day, it would be like, you know, the person who's like, Ooh, drink this, do that. But I'm like the positive version of that. Like I'm the person who's going to inspire you to action in a way that works best for you. So not what I want to do, but I'm going to work with you um, and what works, you know, and do the things that you say that you really want to do to allow you to have that partner, to hold your hand through that. That's me. That's me. And curious about people, humanity, um, and just feel that like love, like love is, is something that we all crave. It's something that we all desire. And, uh, I, I hope to be a, a little part of that, that, that keeps the world kind of moving forward. That's wonderful. So if anyone wants to learn more about you, hire you, anything pertaining to your world, where can they go? They can go to kristencrockett.com. Um, and I'm also super active on LinkedIn and uh, my podcast, the, the Plastic Couch Podcast. I love it. Kristen, thank you so much for your story, for your time. Best of luck with everything. Thank you so much, Joe. This was, this was amazing. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, business, spirituality, music, and more from around the globe. Our esteemed theme music was composed and produced by the great E.E. E. Pointer of Kansas City's River Cow Orchestra. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube. You can also find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and until next time. Music